Hey, this is Rob Unspot, and welcome back to another edition of E-Heroes. For those keeping count, this is episode 272. And for all you entrepreneurs out there that have trouble with systems, I know, I, systems just blow your mind sometimes because it's just confusing. I brought on Scott Perry, who I believe is probably one of the best people you can learn from when it comes to systems and creating a purpose with all your creatives. So, Scott, welcome and, and, and thanks for being here. We're really, really thrilled to be here, Rob. It's a privilege and uh, I'm looking forward to diving in and uh, spending this time with you. You know, I, I in all the episodes that I've been doing this for, I mean, we've been doing this for a couple of years now. And uh, I think at least one, we, we, we've, we've touched on systems just about in every single episode because it's something that every entrepreneur out there struggles with. And, and no matter how many times we drill it into our brains, the systems never get done. Yeah. You know, it, it's, it's, people want shortcuts and I, 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 I get that. But one of the things that I always have told people is trust the process. There is a process, trust it. You know, even if you have to write it down, if you have a systems book, Write it down so that the next person can at least learn from it. Do they do it? <laughs> Never. Well, that's, you know, I love that. I, I I love that that phrase, trust the process. It's something that my friend and mentor, Seth Godin, um, said with great frequency when I was working with him uh, in the Akimba workshops. And, you know, the thing about... Um, you know, why, so why trust the process? Well, you know, another friend and mentor, Nick Peterson says the process is the shortcut. And that's actually what systems thinking and systems reliability is really all about is if you want to reduce risk, collapse time and create certainty for getting the things that you want in life and business, you have to understand that it's all based on systems. And there's that famous Edward Deming quote, Every system is perfectly designed to get the results it gets. Um, so if you have a, I don't know if we can use profanity here, but if you have a shitty system, it's going to get you shitty results. Um, if you have an efficient system that is built upon only the essential elements and components necessary, and you are dedicated to a daily discipline of raising the floor on whatever happens to be the least efficient element of that system in the moment, your system will become more efficient, it will become more effective, and you will get achieve your life priorities or business priorities uh, much sooner and much faster and much more consistently than you could ever imagine. But here's the thing that I think speaks to your point. And that is, yes, you know, we trust this, the process because the process is the shortcut. But before we can trust the process, we have to first trust ourselves. Mm -hmm. And if you look at system reliability, the least efficient system uh, element or component of any system is the human being pulling the levers and pushing the buttons. And so nobody likes to hear it, but when you are helping someone create a 
efficient and effective processes and systems that help them achieve their life and business priorities, you're really working not on fixing the system so much as you are working on fixing the human because better humans build better systems and better systems get you closer to what you want in life and business. There was a, a sign right in back of you called less is more. And that's always been my philosophy. Keep it simple. And, and, you know, I, I look at what people are doing right now and, and adding funnel upon funnel upon funnel to their automation. And I'm thinking, what the hell? I mean, no, stop. Keep it simple. But, you know, they, they, they look at the shiny object. They think, oh, my God, this is this is the next. This is the elevation to my system. Uh, no, it's the elevation to you having a nervous breakdown because it's too much. There, there's I, I think there's there's very simple ways to create processes and systems. And when you convolute it with extra stuff or stuff that is out of your control or knowledge, all you're doing is, is making your life more miserable. Yeah, I well, I totally agree. And in the end, it's not really anyone's fault because we are programmed by biology and evolution to chase after more. We are additive creatures. Uh, take a look around the room you're in. I, you can see I've got books stacked upon books on my bookcase and on my floor that I've just recognized are ascending mm -hmm. <laughs> above the camera line. Um, you know, it's what we're programmed for. And you know, the, the problem is that more does not get us closer to what we want. More actually gets us further away. And so, you know, the the um, less is more is behind me. My wife bought me that sign. Um, I Well, she kind of bought it for herself and then I stole it because I needed it more than she did. Because um, it's really because I am and have been the worst culprit of them all when it comes to thinking, oh, more will get me closer. If I if I just you know, add this new tactic, this new tool, this new software, this new app to my process. That is a silver bullet. That's the missing link. That's the one thing that will help me get the things I want. And all it does is drive down my system efficiency. Mm -hmm. um, so less is more is there to remind I spent a lot of time doing this. So I see that sign a lot of the day. Um, and yet, I, when some, some, some guru, trickster, hacker, uh, charlatan it starts showing me something that I've never really seen before, I've got to check it out. And I'm, you know, my credit card is out and I am fighting that battle to like, hey, dude, you can't, this, this is not going to get you closer. You actually, yeah. uh, for me, the, my inclination to chase more is a reminder uh, that it's time to go through my system again and and prune all the things that I've added that are not adding any efficiency or effectiveness to my system, but right. actually doing the, the opposite. So, you know, more does not equal closer. Less is more. Um, and yet when we are practicing less is more, we're actually fighting against most of our human instincts and intuition, which is why it's so important to surround yourself with, you know, people like Rob and people like the people Rob and I hang out with because um, they help us stay on course and on track when it comes to um, falling prey to our false beliefs and biases. Yeah. Yeah. And, and, and now granted that 
we're all individuals and, you know, we do have you know, our own set of personalities and, and idiosyncrasies um, and, 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 and beliefs. But when it comes to systems, we have to make them what I call uh, dummy proof. Mm-hmm. Because how I do things and how you do things are a little different. But when it comes to running the business, this is how we do it. And if you can find a way to make it simpler and more effective, great. But it's in this manual for you to learn how to do it as simple as possible. But, you know, and I know that, you know, I I work jobs where I would try to make things simpler. And the boss would say, well, Rob, that's not how we do it. You have to go through all these steps. I said, yeah, but why? And so every day I'm like, okay, is this the simplest way to do it? <laughs> and and I, I, you know, we're kind of going about backwards to this, this whole process thing. And we have to trust the process. Yes, we are trusting it. We are also trying to make it simpler. And, and, and once we get it to the simplest way, best you know you don't have to think about it anymore yeah. you know but yeah you know this is this is how i crank out all these books every year people are like well rob i can't even write one book how did you do 43 in 10 years i have a process i trust that process and if i didn't trust the process i couldn't get the books done it's just the way it is well i i want to latch on to that for a second because your prolific book writing um is a great example of uh uh, is a great testimony to what happens when you have an efficient system and um i'll just reflect from my own experience i i had no aspirations of ever being an author it never crossed my mind until uh about 2016 when I was shifting from a long and happy career as a professional musician and and guitar studio owner to doing what I'm doing now, even though in 2016, I didn't know what, what that was. I just, I I knew I wanted to do something different. Life was calling me to do something different. Um, I was getting lots of signals that it would look like coaching, but I was resisting that and fighting against that. But I was, I was processing a lot of new to me, big ideas, principles and philosophical ideas and and some strategic and tactical things that, um, you know, I needed to move beyond just knowing, you know, I think there's a difference between knowing and learning. Knowing is when you've collected a lot of information, like, yeah, you can know a lot of things and it will do you absolutely no good because the learning Mm -hmm. comes from employing that knowledge in some sort of meaningful enterprise or endeavor and so writing became my tool for repurposing and reframing and rearticulating all these things in ways that made sense to me that helped me remember them and helped me put them into action and i was about a hundred days into a um or a hundred articles into a blogging practice when i finally realized oh there's like a theme here like i could just repurpose all this stuff with and with a little bit of tweaking it's actually a book Mm -hmm. well you know i know that you talked with a lot of authors a lot of the folks that come to me 
come to me through my books. We talked about this uh, off um, uh, before we started recording. And so oftentimes people will ask, well, how do, how do you write a book? Mm-hmm. Well, you know, let's the way that this applies to process and system thinking is you have to begin with reasoning from first principles. And first principles thinking says, okay, so what's required to write a book? Well, you have to have an idea you have to have a reader in mind, an idea that you want to convey to that reader, and you have to put a bunch of words on a page. That's what it takes to write a book. Because uh, a book that doesn't have a reader is not a book. It's a it's a paperweight. <laughs> so, you know, if you like fundamentally say, those are the three things I need, then, you know, there's the process for, well, how to identify you know what my topic is, or my 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 uh, pro- you know what what this project's about. How do I de- identify the audience? And you can, I think you can approach those, either one of those first. Um, you know, sometimes you write a book that your audience wants to read, and sometimes you write a book, and then you find the audience that will read it. But ultimately, the the real process and the system reliability piece comes in. How do you get those words on a page? And uh, again. My friend and mentor Seth Godin talks a lot about uh, has a, 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 a lot of wonderful rants against writer's block. It's it's a it's a construct um, for people that want to hide from doing the work of writing. Um, you've never, I if if you have the capacity to speak, have you ever had speaker's block? Probably not, because that's all you know. You you start speaking, and suddenly the you know the things that you want to say make themselves clear and uh, apparent. And so how do you, you know, whether whether you believe in writer's block or not, and I do not, um, you know, you have to come up with this, how, how am I going to start putting words on a page? Well, the wrong way to do it is say, I'm going to write three pages a day. Because mm-hmm. three pages yeah. a day is a really heavy lift. Yeah. Um, you know, another wrong approach would be, well, I'll sit down and wait for inspiration to come visit me. It's like, no, inspiration doesn't actually work that way. Inspiration visits those that are, are you know, inspiration wants their ideas to, to be uh, made manifest in the world. They are looking for people that are actually working. They're not looking for people sitting and waiting. Um, the hardest part about sitting down to start writing is sitting down. Mm-hmm. So make a one minute habit. Every morning at 6 a.m., I sit down and I write for one minute. Now, once I've sat down and wrote for a minute, the likelihood that I'm going to write for additional minutes is very, very high. It might be that I get three pages. But even if I only get three sentences, I still wrote something. I got something done. And if you do that daily, it compounds and, you know, in whatever amount of time you've got a book mm-hmm. you know the other thing is you get to decide what a book is my first book uh, publication on amazon was three pages long it's wow. not technically a book but it's you know i called it a pamphlet I, I let people know how you know what it was um but it published and it sells to this day and <laughs> most you, know, you you've received one of my books it's about a, what 120 pages or so most of my books are this one is called Onward, and it's, yeah. um, let's see, 88 pages. There you go. There you go. Not even 100 pages. So, you know, just establish what's necessary and then figure out 
how to um, raise the floor on the, those components. If if it takes books, words on a page to you know make a book, figure out what's the minimum viable uh, step for putting words on a page. One minute a day writing habit. Because if you write for a minute, no, and, and yeah, you know, with the the Rob versus books when. Uh... I put those together. You know, it started out with just me sharing my sarcastic adventures with scammers. And so I, I took 50 stories, assembled them into a book, and, and I sent it out. And I said, hey, you know, what do you think of this? What do you think of this? And I, I, I asked, you know, a whole bunch of people. And one person says, well, it's just, it's just a collection of stories. Well, isn't that what chicken soup for the soul is? Yeah. It's a collection <laughs> of stories. So I put it together. and. And, and, you know, it's sold like crazy. Okay, let's do a sequel. I have, I have all this extra material left over. And now there's eight books in the series. The latest one was Rob versus the Nincompoops. I have enough material for two more books. Wow. And, and the simple thing is, is I write these adventures down every day, sometimes two or three, because they're just incessant and calling me all the time. And so I, I just then compile the stories, put them in a book, you know, write an intro and, and do some other stuff. Bingo. The book. I mean, it writes itself. Nowadays, I mean, it's just I have this simple process now. It's just. And then, you know, I, 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 I uh, for other people, when I write their books, I interview them like whether it be a, a Zoom or, or Google Hangout, I record it transcribe everything so i have all the notes and then rewrite it and it sounds like them i mean it's in their tone it's in their voice it's got their personality so when someone reads the book they're like wow it's like i'm in the room with them you know it doesn't sound like rob it sounds like the person that you know, i'm putting on the cover and, i love that and and for me that that became just a very easy process because you know, if if you knew me from high school, if you knew me from grammar school, you knew I was like the worst person. I, I couldn't spell. I, you know, get the words wrong. I mean, the, the, now it's like, wow, Rob, uh, you write books. When did that happen? <laughs> so, yeah, oh, I I was definitely the least likely to write a book uh, yeah. in my class. I love what you you shared because. Um, just to reflect two other easy ways of going about it. One of my clients had was a pr prolific podcaster that decided that she needed to have a book and was really struggling with trying to, it's like, you have 300 conversations with people that are providing health advice. <laughs> You've got a book, take the transcripts, do a little, you know, organizing uh, and, uh, editing and and the book is more or less already written and, and another i was a, a coach in bernadette g was um story skills workshop for uh, a season and uh one of the, the tips that i would share with people that were really struggling to to type words to a page is get get a tech a voice to text app and speak your book mm -hmm. you'll you'll have a first draft a minute and i mean now with ai yeah and you could, you know, you could be one of those people that has AI write you a shitty book and publish a shitty AI book, but you can also really leverage AI as a writing partner 
and it will help you write um, a better than shitty first draft yeah. that you can then uh, and then continue to work with you as you revise and improve and edit. Well, and you know, you can, here's another one. You know, my, wow. my book, um, Lessons from the Dojo, which I, I launched in 2015, that came about because I was sharing all these quotes on my Facebook group called The Business Dojo. So I would take all these quotes and I and, and I, I came up with like 101 of them. And I thought, well, how do I systematize all these into different categories? And at the time, my kids were taking karate. And I thought, oh, how do I just, you know, take a bunch of them and put them in different belt levels? And that's what I did. So the whole book is like a giant karate lesson for, for business owners. And you start off in the white belt and you learn all these lessons and green belt, brown belt, black belt, whatever. And, and it just takes you through the next. And so I expanded on all these quotes with my take on what that quote meant. And so I launched that in 2015. And like the book struggled for like six months. People didn't get it. And then it took off. And, and you know, people are like, well, wow, this is a great book. It's very because you could pick it up, put it down. Every page was a different lesson. And it was just very easy to put together and write. And and I th I think from start to finish, it took me 30 days. Yeah. You know, oh, but I, I think pre people look at a book and think, wow, I, I have to write this 300-page manual and I have to do this, this, and this. And no, your book is how, like you said, it could be. 50 pages, it could be three pages, it could be 150 pages. I keep mine between 120 and 150 because I want to keep them um, easy to read. Mm -hmm. I, I don't want people to feel intimidated. I want them to be able to pick them up, take them up, you know. And and when they page through it, you know, I, I don't use a lot of big words. So for, you know, the average person, you know, they can get through it in, in an hour and a half read. And and that's, you know, that, you just try to keep it simple. And 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 for me, the whole process for all the books I've ever, I, I think, I think out of all the books I've produced, there's only two of them that exceed 300 pages. And, um, you know, that's just because the client wanted all that information in there. Yeah, they could have split it and made two books, but it, the books turned out nice, you know. But it, it again, it's them sharing their stories of their adventures dealing with their types of clients. And I, I think that if every entrepreneur took the time once a week to write down you know, a story that happened that week regarding how they treated a customer or however you know, whatever they want to share and then just comprise those weekly stories into a book. They'd have something that they could share with everybody. Yeah. Yeah. It's powerful. You know, but it, it's just, I, I, I think there's a lot of people out there that are intimidated to write a book. They're scared to write a book. They, they don't know how to, they don't know the process. Um, and, and for me, it was all learning, you know, uh, I, I created this manuscript for my very first book. I shopped it around. Everybody wanted complicated stuff. And I'm like, no, 
I want to keep this book simple. I want to keep it so that everybody can understand it and, and, and make it easy for people. And um, when the other publishers decided that they didn't want it, I created my own company and did it my way. And, yeah. um, so now I have, I have a, a second form of income because I'm, I'm a book producer now. But I also I am writing my own books, which now people are like, wow, you write your own books. You got this. You do this. You do this. It was just, you know, extension of the process that took me this way. Yeah. Well, you know, I, when I see the number of books that you've written and I see your content on social media and I see, you know, the volume of both, I think, wow, that's a really productive guy. But. You know, I, I am also aware as someone who has been accused of being a productivity machine that, <laughs> um, you know, well, number one, productivity is not a measure of progress. Um, and the people that are making progress that appear to be highly productive are actually really masterful at doing uh, doing the, a, a few things really, really well and doing them in ways that only uh, require the you know uh, the minimum amount of effort and, mm -hmm. and energy and attention and and so forth so i um i definitely really get that and yet you, you reference the you know the thing that holds people back and that speaks to what we kind of opened with which is this idea that you know um the process is a shortcut trust the process but before you can do any of that you have to trust yourself and my favorite goethe quote is as soon as you trust yourself, you will know how to live. Mm -hmm. And I think that that, you know, one of the things about lessons from a dojo is it's it is, you know, the and you and I both do quite a bit of writing and talking about this. It's about the process of self-mastery. Like, how do you like for me, the system for becoming a self-actualized human being that's living into and developing their potential is that it be you know the three elements that get, or the, the 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 two steps that happen before you get there is first you have to be self aware like you have to actually realize what an idiot you are like you have to be able to see all the many magical wonderful ways fascinating ways that you limit yourself and get in your own way and trip yourself up and sabotage yourself you and you have to be you have to be able to recognize and acknowledge those things and accept that what's what's done is done mm -hmm. so that you can move to the next step which is self-efficacy how do i learn how do i unlearn the helplessness of the way i've been mm -hmm. and how do i learn the skills and um and and practice the mindset that's going to allow me to start to remove the limits that i've put in my own way and build the habits and be, and change the way I behave mm -hmm. so that I can finally become this self-actualized better version of myself that actually is capable of achieving my life and business priorities and less time with less risk and with less effort and have some freaking fun while you're doing it. And that's the piece that I just definitely see missing. Um, and you know, and what I see is, you know, all these people that are preaching hustle and grind and no, I just, no. uh, it's just absolutely ridiculous because I mean, uh, 
it speaks to a very, 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 very small percentage of the population that can that can do that. And most people end up grinding themselves to dust. They are profoundly unhappy along the way. And even if they get what they set out to achieve, it doesn't, they, they're not fulfilled or satisfied or happy. You know, the game of life is a game and games are meant to be played. So yeah, you know, I I, be having fun as well. I limit my day to about four to five hours a day. That's it. I hyper-focus, I get stuff done and then I go and, and, yeah, like the other day, yesterday, I took yesterday off. I had fun with my granddaughter. We went out to, I, I live near, about an hour away from Hershey Chocolate World. Mm-hmm. We went We went there, took a tour, got some chocolate, came home. You know, most people that are doing this whole hustle grind thing, they forget about their family. They forget about their friends. They forget about fun. And they just constantly thinking about business, 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 business. You can't always do that, you know, and, and, and sometimes you need downtime. Sound, well, most times you need downtime because if, if you know, I've always discovered, uh, and, and especially during the summer, I'll take, you know, a couple hours and work in the garden, work on my yard, mow my yard, put my headphones on, and I get the most brilliant, you know, time. So that I can think, come up with ideas, and and for me, it's it's I, I get more inspiration on the downtime than I do trying to be busy. So yeah. yeah. Well, I'd love that. I think that's another insight that's really worth unpacking a little bit more because, like you, I mean my my time in my business or doing my business is four hours a day, five days a week. Um, and you know, the first two hours of every morning are doing the things that I have to do, you know, responding to the emails, putting up the social media content, um, editing the video from the previous day, whatever, you know, the, 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 the kind of stuff that just has to get done. That's maybe not, well, I'm, I'm a weirdo. I like all that stuff, but, um, and then from, from 7 a.m., well, now 6 six a.m. till noon, I am totally, that's, I'm taking care of my grandson. My wife is, my wife is working for those five hours. And then from noon until five or four, when our grandson gets picked up, that's flex time. I have two hours, two, two of those hours, I'm doing client calls and, and making, mm-hmm. earning my living. Um, and the rest, I get to do whatever the hell I want. So, I mean, literally... There's at least eight hours a day where I'm just pretty much doing whatever the hell I want to do. And I'm able to make a full-time living working very part-time hours. My weekends are totally mine. Mm-hmm. And, um, you know, that's the power. And, you know, you you just said, said, said the same thing and you're reflected at the same thing in your experience. That's the power of of investing the time and effort and uh the brain power into creating a efficient effective system for mm-hmm. taking care of business so that because uh, if you don't take care of business business is going to take care of you and so i i love that you've um you know that that you've designed that that same kind of you know and and, and like you though is is every day i probably spend at least one hour every day 
working on my own marketing. And and people are like, well, Rob, you help you help people all over the world. You do this, you do. Yeah, and and I do that because of that one hour every day working on my own stuff, whether it be a book, whether it be my marketing, whether everything that has to do for the benefit of my own company, I'm always working on every day. Because, you know, I, I know so many consultants who will spend all their time helping other people with their marketing. They forget to market themselves. And when those clients are no longer needed, I mean, those clients no longer need the service and they go somewhere else, guess what? That consultant has no work because he hasn't marketed himself. I always keep my marketing going because I want also my clients to understand that I'm going to do the same thing for them. You know, if they see my stuff constantly, I want them to understand that this is what we're going to do for them so that their stuff is being seen by everyone. You know, it's just... You have to work on your own marketing every day. Oh yeah, totally agree. Yeah, and one of the things that I see in what you do, and and something that I try to do, um, it, it's something that I learned from Laurel Portier, who who just uh, published a really fabulous book called Super Duper uh, Profitable Ads. Um, she's she's kind of an, a social media ad guru, or not? She, well, she would hate it if I called her a guru. She's a, a social media <laughs> ad. Uh, teacher, expert, uh, rock star, and uh, she she really helped flip my script around Facebook ads and and how ads can be used to amplify effective marketing that's already working. But the way that you know, and again, I see this in what you do, and I try to do this myself, and it's definitely something she does really really well. Is her marketing ninety nine percent of it is her doing her work out loud and in public. Mm-hmm. Show, letting people look over the shoulder while she just does what she does and, and shows people how she works her magic and showing people, uh, you know, getting results for people while other people are, are looking in. And it's, a, it's, again, that productivity versus progress. If, if you are putting all of your daily tasks into these silos, you're, you're just creating all sorts of, not just ad- additional work, but lots of um lots of dissonance in your life because you have to switch gears all the time the way i approach it is i'm i'm always getting multiple uh multiple kind of benefits from everything i do when i do a broadcast like we're doing now you know yes that is in some ways a marketing piece because I'm earning allegiance capital and, and building an authority loop because I'm next to a rock star like Rob while I'm on camera, but I'm also going to repurpose that into a podcast episode, a YouTube video. It's going to become uh, you know, a clip will become something that's used for social media. It will also be used in a blog post. I mean, I'm getting as many as eight to 12 repurposings from everything I do. And so, you know, when someone accuses me of being a productivity machine, it's like, no, I'm not a productivity machine. I am a repurposing machine. I know how to get the most, squeeze every ounce value out of every minute that I invest in creating one piece of content. That thing is going to get repurposed until there's nothing left to give. Right. Yeah. Yeah. And and I think we forget about all that. 
you think, okay, we, we just have to do this once. No, I mean, well, you know, there's so many social media networks out there, and, and we're told by the gurus to be on all of them. I'm going to tell you, pick three. Pick three and dominate those. I mean, I do Facebook. I do LinkedIn. And I do YouTube. You know, sometimes you'll find me on TikTok. I hate TikTok. I hate Twitter. Um, but I know that's some of my audience is there. So I put all my stuff in a repository on a program that I use. I press a button. I tell it when to post certain things. And it does it for me. And it does it for my clients. And uh, so now it, it's it's posting all the stuff I want it to post. Of all the stuff I've already created in the past, I'm just resharing it over and over and over again. And it saves me 20 hours a week that I can go do something else. <laughs> Oh, yeah. Yeah. yeah, so it looks like I'm everywhere, but I'm not. Um, but, you know, I, I I want people to still look at the content. I still want people to react, but I'm not on threads. Uh, I, I stopped going to all those other social networks that nobody's on. Uh, I, I focus on where people are and, and um, what I want to, what message I want to give them, you know, and, and I find that. You know, right now we're uh, LinkedIn is is where all the the business owners are, uh, the executives, the ones that have money. So that's where I spend a lot of my time. Yeah, no, I think it's it's really important to be strategic about where you you do show up and and not only where but you know why and with what and and how you approach it all. I, I, and I, I mean, I, I have clients that are super effective with uh, just one social media platform, and I have some that don't aren't on any social media, yeah. but they're leveraging maybe just a podcast as their means or a newsletter or something like that. I mean, there's, you know, you, you reference the gurus, and um, I accidentally refer to my friend as one. Um, she is not, uh, but the, you know. Guru used to be actually a uh, a term of praise back in ancient times, and we've turned. You know, now we use it to uh, describe someone that you know, it's it's become a substitute for the word charlatan, mm -hmm. in, in yeah. my estimation, because most of the people that we think of uh, as the gurus are people that um, you know have created something that used to work in the past and it used to work for them mm -hmm. and now they're going to sell it at a very high ticket to you uh because they have this story uh, the success story associated with it based on their experience and um and then after they've extracted all your money and you've gotten no results they'll tell you oh dude you didn't have your mindset right or you didn't do all your homework right and so um you know just a, a cautionary tale to to everyone you know there's there's no way that playing someone else's game is going to create a game of life that you can win because you can't mm -hmm. win if you're playing, you can't win your game if you're playing someone else's. And you should be very, very wary of anyone that's selling something um, that's prescriptive. Here is, you know, the formula, the, uh, the, the, the roadmap, uh, the blueprint, whatever it is, there's, there, it, there are no silver bullets. There are no, 
roadmaps. You are a unique person with a, a, a difference only you can make in the world, and you're going to have to figure out how to find your way to define that difference in a way that speaks to the kind of people that share your values and need your talents to enhance their lives and put that and find the places where you can put that offer in front of those people. And there's no roadmap for that. You need a compass. Mm. Um, and I, I, I look at you and I, Rob, as, as people that are really good uh, guides that are able to teach people how to use a compass so that they can find their way to the destination where you know they want to, to get to and do that with uh, a greater sense, uh, with, with greater clarity, with greater confidence, in less time, with less effort, with less risk, and have a little bit of fun while they're doing it. Right. And, you know, we've talked about the whole process thing and trusting the process, but that process also has a time. And it's, it's you know, for me, it, it took a long time, you know, over a 20-year period, probably 25-year period, be able to get to where I am, you know, and and some people that process is a year, five years, ten years, and and you know, yes, there are ways that maybe you can make that process go a little quicker, but don't think that just because you're following a set of rules that you're going to speed up that process because. You yourself need the time to learn. You need the time to, you know, understand the mistakes that you're making. And that all contribute to that process. And every time I see someone say, well, I'm going to do that in six months. I just sit back and laugh because I know that in six months, they're not going to have anything accomplished. They're going to fail. And, and then they're going to blame it on the person who gave them the process to follow. So knowing that it's it's a long-term goal or game, um, I know a lot of people like to play games, and, and, and but I, I don't consider it a game. I consider it, you know, kind of, if you think of it as, as this is going to be your new lifestyle, you know, but in order to get to that point, these are the rules that you have to follow. This is the process, you know. Um, I don't know if that makes sense, but you know, for me, it was it was always a long term. It was always a long term thing. Well, there's two undefeated players in the history of the world, and they are time and randomness. Uh, time passes, regardless, right? Uh, and and nobody's been figured out how to make more of it. Um, and random things are going to happen. Uh, everything is beyond your control other than your your power to uh, frame and reframe yourself and your situation and decide and do what it is that needs to be done next. Um, and the thing that you're speaking to is if you if you can extend the time that you're you're going to take to get where you want to go, you have uh, given yourself a runway that um, is going to be a lot more joyful and efficient because there's no you're, you're not going to be distracted and derailed by things that happen because of urgency um, and expediency. And you've also set yourself up for random randomness to be become your teammate. 
because every every disaster is someone else's opportunity. Every obstacle is someone else's opportunity, and and every obstacle has an opportunity within it. So, um, and you can also collapse time. The more clear you are about who you are and what you're good at and where you belong and where you're heading to, and the more clarity and confidence you have about the design of your system and and your process for raising the floor on whatever happens to be the least efficient component in the moment, um, you know, more efficient systems are more effective and you can collapse time by just doing the right things at, at the right time in the right order and paying attention to the pieces that need to be, uh, you know, found, fixed, or fine-tuned along the way. So, um, you know, time and randomness, undefeated, and if there's a couple of undefeated players on the field, I want them on my team, and I think that's how you, how you do it. So how do people find you? Where do they go? Easiest place to find me is uh, creativeonpurpose.com. Uh, if you would like some weekly doses of insight and inspiration that will inspire the kind of intentional action that will help you achieve your life and business priorities with greater purpose and prosperity and peace of mind, um, the the website creativeonpurpose.com has plenty of links that will get you to my Substack publication. That's where uh, my readership, uh, my subscriber community is. You can uh, once you're once you've signed up for the publication, there's all sorts of trainings that we do every month that will help you achieve your life and business priorities. And if uh, you decide to become a paid subscriber, you'll have additional opportunities to meet with me on a weekly basis, and and uh, we'll work together to make things better for you. And there you go, everybody. That's that's what makes uh, Scott an e-hero and. And uh, I, I think this was an awesome, it was an awesome podcast because everybody's learning how to collapse time. And, and in order to do that, you have to trust the process. And as I, I explained earlier that, you know, there's certain processes that I use to hyper-focus to get all these books, per, you know, produced over a period of time, but also with the social content that I put out every day. You know, it, it's saved me 20 hours a week, you know, so without a process, I'd still be on the keyboard all the time, in front of the computer, not having a life. So, you know, look for these simple things that you can do to simplify your business, you know, contact Scott, you know, subscribe to his, his uh, sub stack, look at all the articles he's put out and I'm looking at some of them now and, 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 uh, it's a lot of them. So. Anyway, go to uh, uh, what is it? Creative, creativeonpurpose.com. That's it. There you go. And we'll see you guys on the next episode. Adios. Thanks.